Numbers chapter 27. Turn there with me, if you would, please. Numbers 27. And uh, we come to a very interesting portion of Scripture. This is just after the nation of Israel have been numbered for the second time. Two years into the wilderness wandering and journey, God commands Moses to number the children of Israel. And now they are in their 40th year on the edge of the promised land. And God says, number the people again. And the purpose of the numbering was that they might, that he might divide unto each tribe and to each family a portion of the inheritance that was promised to them. And here they stand on the other side of the promised land. And before them, before they ever see it, before they ever get in it, God is dividing unto them a portion of their inheritance. What a wonderful occasion. What an exciting day. What great anticipation that they're about to receive what they had been longing for and waiting for for so long. But all of the excitement of the day was shrouded by a little cloud of disappointment for one particular family. Everybody was excited. One by one, they went from tribe to tribe to family to family. And when they came to, jo to Joseph and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and Moses began to, to divide into them their particular inheritance, there was a group of girls, daughters, whose father had died in the wilderness, and he had no sons. Well, in Jewish culture, the, the inheritance went to the oldest son, but there were no sons. And therefore, now you have a, a family, because the father had died, and there were no sons, his inheritance was gone. But there were a group of feisty young ladies who wouldn't have it. And they approached Moses and the high priest and they said, basically, give us our father's inheritance. This is an amazing portion of scripture because it shows a great faith and great tenacity and expectancy in the hearts of God's children. And I want you to look at this. I believe there's some application for us today in our own church, in our own lives today. Let me show you a few things in our text in Numbers chapter 27. Number one, I want you to notice that naturally speaking, these girls had no inheritance. Naturally speaking, they weren't going to get it. Can everybody hear me okay? I can't hear myself very well. A little bit louder. Thank you very much. Naturally speaking, these girls had no inheritance of their own. Their inheritance died with their father. And such is the case with us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, By one man, Adam, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And death, the removal of life, is the removal of our inheritance. And because of Adam's sin... You and I no longer have a heavenly inheritance. We're born without one. In fact, the only inheritance you and I have, would you look this way, the only inheritance that you and I have when we are born into this world is an inheritance of death and destruction and eternal separation from God. That's what we inherit. Do you know that? We were speaking with some people in the city center yesterday and one man of a Muslim persuasion uh, could not believe, he just couldn't believe that 
that children, uh, precious children, that they were destined to die. And I, I overheard the conversation and some of the things that were being said, and I thought to myself, I've had this conversation before, I would agree to some extent that children are born with no sin. They're not, they have no sin when they're born. But the problem is they have a sin nature when they're born. They aren't born with a sin record because they haven't done anything yet, but they are born with a nature that is broken and they have a natural propensity. Given enough time, they will enter into sin. We're born that way. We're born broken. And it's not necessarily the child's fault that he's born that way. He got it from his mother and father who got it from their mother and father who ultimately got it from Adam. And we're broken. And so therefore, the moment a child is born, they receive an inheritance from their father and mother, and it is an inheritance that leads to death. In just a matter of time, children begin to figure out how to sin. Nobody has to teach them how to do it. Nobody teaches a child how to lie. We have to teach them to tell the truth. It's interesting, nobody has to teach a child to color outside of the lines. We have to teach them to color inside of the lines, don't we? Because naturally speaking, we're always pushing the boundaries. Always crossing over, trespassing. That's what we've inherited. We don't like rules and we don't like laws and we don't like to be told we can't do this. If the speed limit says 50, we're going to do at least 51. Just because we don't like to be told that we can't go any faster than that. If somebody puts a no trespassing sign up, we're going to walk just on the other side of it just because we can there's something inside of us that doesn't like boundaries, that doesn't like laws. That's our nature. We're broken. Some people say uh, when speaking to people in the streets who, who are not converted, do not know the Lord, speak to them about sin. They don't like that word sin, but they're happy to admit that nobody's perfect. They're willing to admit that we're all broken and they're willing to admit they've done wrong. But their excuse is, well, that's just being human. And I would agree. That's our nature. But it doesn't make it right, does it? It doesn't make it right. Just because we're born with that nature doesn't make it right. And so just like these, these daughters, these girls, they naturally had no inheritance, no part in the heavenly inheritance. You and I don't either. You and I do not either. And this morning, would you look this way? This morning, if you've never been born again, if you've never come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have no promise of heaven. You have no promise of peace, eternal life, hope, or joy. The only promise you have right now is that when you die, if you be without Christ, you shall be cut off eternally from all that is good. That is your inheritance. I don't mean to be unkind. I tell you that because I, I'm concerned. I tell you that because I want to tell you that you don't have to live like that and you don't have to die like that. And these are some girls in our story today who understood that. They knew that if they were to continue just like they were, they were going to die with no inheritance. And they were not pleased with that. They were not satisfied with that. They would not settle with that. I wonder this morning, if you recognize what your inheritance is right now, do you recognize that you are headed down a one-way street to destruction?
And if you know that, if you believe, if you can read in God's word and believe that God's word is true when he says that the wages of sin is death, if you can believe in God's word that the Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, meaning that if you don't repent, you will perish. And if you can see that, I wonder, does it bother you? I was on the box preaching yesterday and some young ladies, I, I imagine teenagers, came and started saying how they love Satan. Vile, obscene things out of their mouth. How they worship Satan, how Satan was beautiful and all sorts of vile filth coming out of their mouth. And I said to them, ladies, what do you think is going to happen when you die? We're going straight to Satan, they said. I said, does that bother you? They laughed about it. There's a game to this. But can I tell you, it is no game. It is no laughing matter. It should bother you. Because the Bible is very clear that if you die without Christ, your inheritance upon your death is an eternity in the lake of fire. Now that bothered these girls. Preachers tell that sometimes people say, why do you have to talk about sin? And why do you have to talk about hell? And you're one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers. Because I, I, I want you to be bothered by it. Because if you're not bothered by it, you'll die without Christ and there'll be no hope of your soul. But if you like these girls, like these, these women, these sisters who, who began to recognize, hold on a moment, hold on a moment, everybody else is getting an inheritance, but we don't have anything. And if we don't, if we don't speak up, if something's not done, we're going to die without any inheritance. And it bothered them. Does it bother you today? The Bible says in verse number one, then came the daughters of Zelophehad. They came. They were not content to see the rest of the Israelites receive an inheritance while they were condemned to fizzle out with nothing. And they came. Look how they come in verse three. Look, our father died in the wilderness and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord and the company of Korah. Meaning, look, uh, our father was not with that rebellion because that, the promise was, look, uh, the sons of uh, th those who were part of that rebellion and would not separate themselves from those families would be condemned. Our father had nothing to do with that. He died in his own sin, like everybody else, like all of our other fathers, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family? Because he hath no son. Give unto us, therefore, a possession. Among the brethren of our father. I've underlined those three words. Give unto us. Give unto us. What faith. What expectancy. What urgency. And, and what desire. And they came. Think about this. They did it all the right way. They didn't go grumbling around. Well, hold on a moment. How come you won't get that? And we got nothing. No, they went exactly and precisely to the only one who could do something about it. They went to the mediator, Moses. And they went to the high priest, Eleazar. And they came to these two men, and they brought their complaint to him, and they recognized that Moses stood between the people and God. And therefore they brought their, their complaint, their petition to Moses, the mediator. They went to the only one that could do something about it. Would you look here? Have you gone to the mediator today? Have you come to Jesus Christ? 
Have you come to the Savior? Have you come to the only one that can do something about your condemnation and your inheritance of death? Or do you sit in your chair and think about how unfair it is? How unfair it is that that we've got sin because of Adam. How terribly unfair. Do you grumble and complain about the inheritance that you have? Or does it bother you so much that you go to the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You don't have to come to me or a pastor or a priest or a pope, whatever you want to call them. You go to Jesus. That's what they did. They came to Moses, the picture of Christ in the Old Testament. And they came in faith, believing, believing that there was an inheritance for them. I love this thought. They knew that it was not a matter of a lack in the inheritance. They knew that it wasn't a matter that they they simply ran out of inheritance and therefore they got left out. They knew that it wasn't a matter of whether there was enough inheritance. It was simply a matter of they naturally had none. And therefore they believed in their heart and mind that there was something for them. Would you look here for a moment? Some of you don't believe that there's salvation for you. Some of you this morning do not believe that Jesus Christ died for you. Some of you doubt whether there is an inheritance for you. Some of you are worried and concerned about, about you think, well, the inheritance is limited. And, and therefore, because the inheritance is limited, I probably don't get a part of it. Here are some girls who believed and knew there was plenty. And because they believed there was plenty, They ran to Moses. I wonder this morning, do you believe that there's salvation for you? Do you believe that Christ Jesus' blood was enough? That when he died, that he died for you? J.C. Ryle, the great preacher from, from Liverpool, once said this, there is an infinite willingness in God to save man if man would just be willing to be saved. The problem is not in the inheritance. The problem is in the willingness of you to go get it. The problem is not that there wasn't enough inheritance. The problem was that people just didn't go get it. And these girls believed that there was something for them. And I wonder this morning, do you believe that there is salvation for you? Will you believe today that there is indeed forgiveness of sins for you? That there is redemption for you? That there is an inheritance, a heavenly eternal inheritance for you. Colossians chapter 1 speaks of this. Turn there with me please if you would. There are some beautiful verses in the New Testament that speak about inheritance. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now I want you to look at that verse again. Colossians 1 verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or made us ready. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Here's the problem. Naturally speaking, you are not qualified for the inheritance. It's not that the inheritance isn't there. 
It's not that it's not there for you. It's that you aren't qualified to get it. And there's only one way that you can be qualified to receive the inheritance of salvation, the blessed inheritance of the saints. There's only one way, and that is that God himself, through his Son, makes you ready. The Bible says, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. In receiving Christ, you are made, you are given what is needed to be called the sons of God. What a thought. Look at it with me there again. He has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Meaning he took you out of your corrupt inheritance, the inheritance of death, and he translated you into the inheritance of light. God does that. God does that. It says in verse number 14, translated us in the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ can make you meet, make you ready to receive the inheritance of God. But you've got to come to him. The same way these girls went to Moses and they recognized it wasn't inheritance for them. They just needed to come and plead and ask. And so they came. But maybe this morning, they think, I'm, but I'm not worthy. I don't deserve heaven, heaven and I, I don't deserve anything from God. I deserve hell. I deserve what I'm getting. You're right. But it's never been about you being worthy. It's about he is worthy and he's going to make you ready to receive it. So come to him. It's a good thing if you feel that you're unworthy. But you've got to come like these girls with faith. Give me, they say. I love this thought. Give unto us, therefore, a possession. Now, I'm reminded of what Jesus told us in Luke chapter 11. Speaking with a brother, brother just last night. And he said, I hope God gives you increased faith. He and I have prayed together and he heard me pray, Lord, increase my faith. And he said, I'm praying that God has done that and he will do that. But in Luke chapter 11, look at this. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Teaching them how to ask. Do you know our problem? You and I oftentimes don't know how to ask. Oftentimes we don't know how to pray. And because we don't know how to pray, we just don't pray. And because we don't know how to ask, we just don't ask. But Jesus teaches us how. He gives us that pattern of prayer in the first few verses. And then he says in verse number five, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey is coming to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, friends? That if you keep asking and asking and asking, God will give you what you need. And the basis of that is because you, your plea like this man is, I have nothing. I don't have anything. I don't have what I need. Father, if you don't give me, if you don't give it to me, I'll never get it. And our plea when we approach the very throne of grace, when we come to Christ for salvation, our plea is this, 
If you don't give me salvation, I'll never get it. I can't earn it. I can't inherit it. You've got to give it to me. And that was the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Recognizing we have nothing and recognizing he has more than enough if we'd only ask him. And I believe that this is, this is exactly what we're finding in this story. That here were some women who knew they didn't have what they needed, but they knew they understood that God had all that they needed and therefore they went to get it in faith. Now I believe there's an application for the believer as well. Would you look here? I believe that most Christians live like paupers. And I don't mean financially. I believe most of God's children are living in spiritual poverty today. And it isn't God's fault. I believe that the majority of brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, I believe that the majority of us, of the bride of Christ, of the family of God, are living in spiritual poverty today. And it is not God's fault. No, it's not at all. In fact, we read in the book of Ephesians, turn there with me, please. We read some very encouraging words about what he's given us. There are, there are infinite scriptures, uh, infinite riches in Christ, but the scriptures tell us of these things. Ephesians chapter one and verse number, verse number 11, in whom speaking about in Christ. Now look at verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom? In Christ. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Do you know that you have an inheritance? Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Did you catch that? You have an inheritance so that you could be to the praise of his glory. God has given you something so that you can live a life as his child that would bring him glory. But most of us are not bringing him glory because we have not recognized what he's given us. He goes on and in the same chapter in verse number 14, verse 13, in whom ye trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. And again, he tells us in verse 18, I love this, this prayer that somebody once said is one of the most beautiful, powerful prayers that was ever prayed in the scriptures. But in verse 18, in the middle of this prayer, Paul prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Did you read that? Did you hear that? Do you know what most of us, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you or step on your toes, but most of us are happy, just happy, saying, please save me, forgive me of my sins, and then we go about living our life no different, very little difference before we, uh, than there was before we were saved. But when, when you are born again, when you are accepted into the beloved, you are given an inheritance. It's like saying, it's like going to the courthouse as a child going, going to the courthouse and, and receiving the adoption papers. 
being adopted into a very wealthy family, but never actually moving in. It's like getting your pay. Hey, I've been adopted, but yet you're still living on the streets. Some of you have been adopted, accepted in the beloved, but you're still living on the streets. You haven't entered in to the riches that Christ has given us. And I'm not talking about your bank account and the Ferraris and whatever else. You may think it is materialistically. I'm talking about the spiritual riches in Christ. He says in verse 18, I want your eyes to be open that you might know what is the hope of his calling. Do you know that our greatest inheritance is God himself? Our greatest inheritance is God himself. And he looks at us as his inheritance. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? Do you know that God has great power? How many of you believe that God is powerful? Why don't you live like it? Why do we live in defeat? Why do we live such defeated lives? Why do we live in such low places and such dark corners? And why do we live in such unbelief if we believe that God is powerful? If we believe that he is who he says he is. Now, I will remind you that part of our inheritance is a bit of suffering as well. Part of our inheritance is a bit of suffering, the scriptures speak of. But the Bible says that there are so many riches in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, listen to what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. This was a constant, constant conversation amongst the churches and amongst the believers. I don't know why it isn't anymore. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace, or partakers with me of grace. Partakers of grace. And grace upon grace. You have more than enough. And we live thinking we ain't got enough. We wake up in the morning and we say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, God. What do you mean? What do you mean you don't know how you're going to do it? God is God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He has grace upon grace where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Why are you living in such defeat? We have a rich inheritance. Victory, yea, in all these things, we are almost conquerors in Christ. Is that what it says? No, no, no. More than conquerors. We've already won. Already on top of the mountain. And some people live like they're, they're just barely squeaking by. Some of you live like you're, you're, you don't have enough money to pay the lights and don't have enough money to eat the peanuts. And, and I'm, I'm speaking spiritually, you live that way. Oh God, I just can't get victory over this. I'm such a, I'm such a this, I'm such a that. No, no, no. You are a child of the living God. You have received the inheritance of Christ Jesus imparted unto you. Stop living like you are absolutely defeated. Hebrews is a beautiful book and it mentions inheritance over and over again. In Hebrews chapter nine, I'll give you just a couple of verses. In Hebrews nine, verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called 
might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, I didn't grow up in a very wealthy home. And I do not believe that I'll receive any sort of physical inheritance. But even if I did, even if I had some sort of monetary inheritance, that would all pass away. Money runs out. Money runs out or I die and I can't take it with me. But the inheritance you receive as a child of God is an eternal inheritance that fadeth not away, that passes not away. And Peter wrote about this. One last passage and I'll be done. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let me give you quickly, look here. These people were being persecuted. They were scattered because of great persecution. And Peter writes to them to encourage them. Look, don't be discouraged. You've been rejected by your families, been rejected by society, but chosen by God. You have a blessed, rich inheritance. And he says, blessed be the God who has, according to his abundant mercy, begotten us again to a lively hope, a living hope. Some of you, some of you are living like you've got no hope. Some of you are living like, like the rest of the world, like, th like things aren't going to get any better. Some of you are living like things will never change or things are never going to get any better. You have a living hope. You have a living hope. That hope is Jesus. Because he's alive, we have great hope. And the next verse says this, that we have been begotten unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has given you a rich inheritance in Christ? You know what we've been called? You, we've been called joint heirs with Christ. Meaning whatever Christ has inherited, you and I have. That feels wrong sometimes to even say that, doesn't it? Joint heirs with Christ. It's interesting, those ladies brought their Requests given to us a possession to Moses and Moses brought their calls before the Lord. Look, you bring it to Christ and he'll bring your calls before the Lord. And the Lord spake and said, the daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession. Now, can I just say this in closing? Look here for one second. You can either live the rest of your days pining, thinking, I got nothing. You can look at other people saying, how can they got this and they got that and how can uh, God's using him and God's using her and how come this and I'm not? Or you can get up, run to Jesus and say, give unto me. Give unto me what you've promised. But if you're not reading the scriptures, you don't know what he's promised you. Give unto me some inheritance. Give unto me some blessing. Give unto me some gifting. Give unto me, Lord. And I believe we might hear the Lord himself say, Thou shalt surely give them a possession. Thou shalt surely give unto them a possession of the inheritance.
Look, you and I are not paupers. We are children of the king. The heavenly king. Live like it. Live like it. Satan wants to keep you down. Step on you. Make you feel like you're, you're just like the rest of the world that's dying and, and, and shriveling up. And No, 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 no. You belong to God. May God help us to see what he's given us. May we believe it. May we have such faith like these women that we will come to the mediator himself, to Christ himself. We will not give him rest until he grants unto us what he's promised. Just like the importune woman. It's interesting, isn't it? That here and in the New Testament, it's the illustration of a woman who won't give up. Women can be quite persistent, can't they? Men, we can learn something from that. And may the Lord make us persistent in our prayers, in our desires. And may we settle for nothing less. You are a child of the King. Live like it. Live like it. Maybe this morning you're not. Maybe this morning you're not saved. Then your first, first request is to run to Jesus and say, give unto me an inheritance. I have nothing. Save me. Change me. I realize that I'm dying and going to hell. Change that, Lord. Change that. Have mercy upon me. Let's bow our heads together. Close in prayer. Father, we confess unto thee, Lord, that too many days, so many days, we have lived so far below, so far beneath what you have called us to live. We do not recognize that we be joint heirs with Christ. We do not recognize already the grace has been supplied. We do not recognize that all that we need has already been provided. Oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for not recognizing and living in that which has been provided in Christ Jesus for us. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. I pray especially for those this morning who do not believe that there's an inheritance for them. Show them, Lord, that there's more than enough. Show them, Father. Lord, thou art a good father. I come like that importune work. Like that man in that scripture, I, I, I come, I have nothing to give them. I cannot give them salvation. But Lord, you can. Show them, Lord, that there is enough for them. And save their soul. Help my brothers and sisters, help me, Lord, to believe that thou hast many riches in Christ that are yet to be found, yet to be discovered. And make us those who search, search the scriptures daily that we Search in Christ daily to find, to discover, to mine up those treasures that are found in him. And may we no longer live like paupers. May we live like the children of the king that we really are. We thank thee for Jesus, our Savior. And it's in his name.